Oh my babies. My babies. Oh, so hey everybody. Welcome to Hot Marriage Cool Parents. We're back. Yeah, and this week we are recording a day after having our couples therapy session. Powerful therapy session. I'm telling you, if you are struggling, whether it's in your own life or in a relationship with anybody, of course, like your partner, but anybody really, therapy is just, it's everything. This is obviously not an ad. I mean, there's so many different ways you can have a therapist, but like- When you um, find a therapist that connects to you, you know, like I feel like we kind of lucked out because the couples therapist that we have, I feel like she matches both of our styles. Like, she, yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot do because that's their profession. Yeah. But- because she's in Florida, we got her down in Florida. Coming back to New Jersey, she actually recommended that we search for someone that we can actually see and go to visit in the office. And she feels she would have more of an impact if we were able to visit the office. And at the end of the phone call yesterday, we were just like, we can't. We can't yeah. go to any other therapist. Like, there's no chance. Like, please don't fire us. Because, yeah. I mean, so we started our therapy session. And if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm super transparent. I'm not going to slap up a pretty face and, uh, you know, some happy, smiling photo if that's just not who I am in well, the moment. Let me just say any face that you slap up is a pretty face. Aw, I love you. See, therapy really works. It really does. <laughs> no, but like I was planning on sharing body positive content because it really feeds my soul. Like when I know that I'm inspiring women to be, you know, just more confident in themselves because why shouldn't we be? Regardless of what the number on the scale is, regardless of what size our jeans are, regardless of, you know, our lumpy thighs. I mean, we all struggle with those insecurities, but why shouldn't we feel confident? And why wouldn't we wear a bathing suit and go to the beach with our kids and have fun? I mean, those are the things that I'm really... And I, and I found that like it's really helpful when I share that content and just like help inspire and encourage women. Like, And that feeds my soul. And it also helps inspire me to like remember that... Who cares if I'm not the size that I was when I first got married to this handsome fella next to me? That's right. That was a whole tangent. But essentially, I was planning on sharing, you know, just something that was going to be a little bit more inspiring with like postpartum body love and all that. And that just like wasn't where my head was at. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I wish you would just take off social media, <laughs> like take a break from that, take a break from everything. And it's like, well, first and foremost, if you're talking about support systems, and that's exactly what we were talking about yesterday with my therapist, yeah. well, my therapist, our therapist, if you're talking about support systems, well, what we identified in our therapy session yesterday was that Doug has, of course, his family and he has some friends that he's been friends with. That I grew up with, yeah, since, I mean, elementary school. I mean, they all live in New Jersey. They all stayed together. Like, we're still very close. And it's the type of group, I have a group of guy friends and girlfriends the Oakland boys, we call ourselves OGB, which goes back to like fifth grade. And a group of girls that we have remained friends since, you know, we try to do Friendsgiving and that, you know, we get together then, but everybody has a family. Everybody is busy. We all have multiple kids, but they're also the type of people that we wouldn't see each other for months or a year or whatever. But when we get together, it's just right back to normal. You know, like these are all my best friends. They will always be my best friends. But do we talk every day? No. But I always know that they're there. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, what we discovered anyways on the call is that you do have a support system. 
And our therapist was like, I recommend you actually connecting with your support system to like Doug. And then what was kind of discovered, which I never, I guess I've kind of always known, but not really, is that I don't have a support system. And that sounds like really kind of, I don't know, crazy. (laughs) I don't know like what the right word is, but I genuinely don't, I don't have parents that I can go to. Of course, Doug's parents are always like, well, but we're here for you. But let's be honest, if I'm having an issue with Doug, I can't go to his parents and talk about it because they actually none of his family. I cannot go to his family. I've tried before. And I was saying this to the therapist. I have tried before because I assumed since they love him and they say they love me, like I assume I could go to them and with like some issues. But the truth of the matter is, is that you can't. And I figured that out real fast. Like they're not the people I can go to when I'm having struggles. And so I can't go to them. Uh, I don't have parents myself and my family, like it's the greatest honor and my greatest joy. And I am so thankful that like my one little sister named her daughter after me. My other little sister named her son after me. My sister-in-law has just named me the godmother of her son. And it's like, it's the sweetest role that so many people can come to me for support. But that's kind of my role, I guess, in my family is that I I guess I'm the support person. And they would be like, of course, you can come to me for support. So this could be my own issue in my own head. But I feel like I can't go to them for support because... Like I said, this could this is why I'm in therapy because maybe I can go to them. But the truth of the matter is I definitely can't go to any of the hainers because they get very defensive of Doug and like just instead of like trying to look at the picture as a whole. And that's just probably the case for every family, let's yeah. be honest. I mean, I'm sure we'll have some sense of that. You know, yeah. If just if we think about like Henley or yeah. Hendricks doing this, like, you yeah. know, someone comes and complains about Henley, well, I'll no. be like, excuse me, yeah. she's perfect. Yeah. No, she's better an know. angel and wouldn't do that. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I certainly understand that. But what it's left me with is just the realization that I have no one. I moved so much in growing up and whatnot. I mean, we were evicted from trailer park after trailer park and apartments and whatnot. I live with my mom's boyfriend at one time, her ex-boyfriend, I should say. I live with her friend. I've lived with a friend myself. My mom said I could go live with my friend in the other neighborhood. (laughs) And the only reason why I even went back home was because that school, unless they adopted me, that school wouldn't let me be there. And I don't know. I guess the adoption fell through. I don't even know what happened with that. But needless to say, I don't have that solid group of friends that I can kind of go to. And and I hate to say that because I don't know. It's just because I do have a ton of acquaintances. Of course, I have a huge circle of people that I can say hi to, but it's all kind of like surface level. I don't know if that makes any sense at all. But yeah, it's just you're not comfortable sharing everything with one or two people. Well, no, it's that, not even that because I'm so comfortable. This is why well, we're in therapy because... Yeah. Well, I mean, like just on a personal level though. The like, thing is, is that this is the truth of the matter. I grew up, like I said, in trailer parks, super duper poor. My friends, of course, are people who grew up super duper poor as well and struggling to make ends meet. And now I... I'm in such a different world, obviously. I'm a host of a television show. I'm on another television show. I met my husband on a television show. I have this podcast. And those people who I grew up with, I don't feel like I can complain to them about a thing. I mean, how could I complain about a thing when when my life must look so heavenly to somebody else. And it is heavenly. And I am very thankful. Of course, I always want to say, like, I worked my tail off for this. But um, 
needless to say, like my life looks so heavenly. I'm not going to go to my friend who's struggling as a single mom complaining about a freaking thing because mm. I'm so lucky that I have my husband who's here helping me and that I've been able to work and create like a lifestyle where my husband's now a stay at home dad. Yep. Like I am not going to my friend who's a single mom living with her mom complaining about a thing. I just feel like I cannot do that to her. Like that's not fair. And so that leaves me then with Honestly, I'm telling you, and this is, goes right back to the beginning when people say, well, why would you share this stuff? Because Instagram, my girlfriends on Instagram, I have a private membership. It's a Become Body Positive, a private page. I don't know if everyone knows about that. I don't talk about it often, but I have a private membership there. My girlfriend's there. I meet with them once a month privately on a Facebook Live. That feels like my support system. And I'm fully aware that that might be a little unhealthy because this is like the general public. But it's like not just... It's better than bottling it up. I mean, yeah, you know, that's your support system. That is like my only outlet is this podcast. I've said time and time and time again that this podcast is like therapy for me. Sharing on a blog after I lost our son, Jonathan, that was therapy for me. And then honestly, the blogging thing has just been... It's a little bit too much to like go to the website and do all the things on the website. So I was like, screw it. I'll just do it on Instagram. <laughs> and then if you wonder why my captions are a freaking page long, every single caption, well, because that's therapy for me. And you know, I know that like, as a matter of fact, we got a I wouldn't say a negative review, but a constructive criticism type review of saying, Jamie, I just wish you would take off from social media and the podcast and all the things and just focus on your marriage and your family. And that's really hurtful for me to read because A, I really... Well, first of all, I'm a people pleaser. So I take that personally, which I really shouldn't. <laughs> and I'm like I said, I'm in therapy. I'm fully aware. so much better though. Thank you. But also that being said, like that's my outlet. That's my support. And I know that maybe that's awkward and strange, but I don't have anything else right now except from my personal therapist, our couples therapist, and then my husband and I have been struggling. So typically, obviously, I would want to go to my husband, Doug, who's sitting yeah. next to me. So it's weird to say Wh that. Which is, but I'm talking to you yeah. also, you listening. So typically, I would want to go to him. But we have this issue with communication that we kind of like discovered yesterday during our couples therapy call where... Yeah. We don't validate each other's feelings. No. And we get defensive, especially me. I, you know, getting defensive, like, well, you don't do this enough. And then I'll defend myself and say, well, I do this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And, you know, really what the therapist got at was when you don't validate, it just means that you're just looking at it as becoming defensive and you don't find a solution. And there is no way to properly communicate when you do not validate the other person's feelings and not make them real. And when you don't make something real, then there's no other way to respond than to just either be defensive or try to convince the other person that you're doing all of this stuff when it's just, no, just hear me let's figure out a solution and do something about it to move on. Yeah. But she also said that, and Jamie talking about the outlets and COVID, it, it was the worst for this because it just enhanced everything. But when you don't have an outlet, you rely on each other to be everything and every single thing that mm -hmm. you need when it's an impossible task. Yeah. So 
Doug, I think you summed that up perfectly, but kind of like to give more detail about what Doug is saying. He gave the cliff notes. Yeah, he gave the cliff notes. I'll give you the details. So, (laughs) and that's like our marriage. (laughs) So essentially the call started off with our therapist. Like Doug said, she's in Florida. So we call her remote now that we're in New Jersey. We kind of always did that though. We only saw her once. Yeah, Yeah, we've only seen her in person once anyways. So when I say that you can have a therapist that's online or remote, you can and it can be effective. And if you have one that's not working for you, that's okay. They should understand. Like It's like a very personal relationship and you've got to be able to feel comfortable sharing yourself with them. And so if you're with somebody or your first attempt is with somebody and you're not comfortable, don't worry about offending them. Just let them go and try to find someone else. You're going to find your person. It's kind of like dating. Like It doesn't really happen necessarily like the first date. Well, they also will... You sign a form and they're able to transfer their notes over and bring them up to speed. And the thought of trying to start over was just, yeah, yeah, ridiculous. We were like, please don't do that to us. Like, and so she was like, okay, okay, keep you. (laughs) But okay, so the full version is we start the conversation with, and actually in full transparency, that was a follow up therapy call to one where I was literally on the floor, in the closet, in the closet, crying like a mess because I. I don't feel loved. I have this really big issue where, and maybe, you know, you want to title it daddy issues because I don't, I didn't know my dad. You can title it whatever you want to title it. It doesn't even matter. I don't feel loved. I feel like the people at this point in my life who, who are always there for me are, of course, my husband because I feel like he's tied to me. So he has no choice but to be because we're married. And I'm always tell him, I'm sorry, I'm so hard to love because I know that I'm not an easy person to love. Oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to get emotional. I'm trying not to though. You got this. I'm not obviously easy to love. I'm fully aware that I am a difficult person and that I'm filled with insecurities and that I can be so negative sometimes. I am so anxious and depressed, especially after having Hendrix. Like my body, my mindset, everything has changed and shifted. And I just, feel like I've lost myself. And the biggest thing with that is that I don't feel loved. Like I don't know where to go to, who to turn to, to help me not necessarily find myself where who I was before I had Hendrix, but like just be stable and secure and sane in this moment, you know? Like I don't feel that. And the biggest thing is that like I know and recognize that I'm tough to love. And so then I get really insecure that Doug doesn't love me. And that he's just with me because he's married to me and that he's fallen out of love with me after seven years and and just my anxiousness and irritability and negativeness. And I have been more negative than ever in my life. And And me not responding or being communicative. I mean, my whole process, my whole life has been nothing really affects me too much. And things always work themselves out. You know, when she has this dialogue going on to her head and I'm not responding and I'm not saying anything, I'm not getting deep or vulnerable, of course, things are going to just escalate because I'm just not so much ignoring it, but I'm just, I'm not paying attention to it. Yeah. Yeah. And also, just like you were also saying, Doug, in the cliff notes is that, well, you're not equipped to handle every single one of my needs. Like not one person is ever going to be equipped to handle every single one of someone else's needs. And we are both in a marriage now. Well, I don't want to speak for you, but you've always been a bit of a, I don't want to say loner, but just like, you know. Yeah, I do my own thing. Yeah, he does his own thing. That's always been his thing. And I 
am someone who's always strive for love and attention because obviously I didn't, you know, I was just kind of passed around as a kid. So I have been looking for all my love and attention from Douglas because now I'm in this different world where I feel like I can't even really chat with anybody I grew up with because it's like, how could I complain about a thing? And so essentially what we came to realize is that A, we're not validating each other's feelings and B, we're trying to get our fill of like all that we need, all of our boxes checked by each other. And so we came to this amazing realization that, well, first of all, we need to figure... We're going to start going to church essentially for like a community and a support system there. And we have an amazing guest on today. Her name is Lisa Bilyeu. Who I am so incredibly excited to talk to because this girl is a boss babe, entrepreneur, like times 10. Yeah. She's exactly what I aspire for and what I, I mean, I feel like I relate to her on so many levels. Wait to hear this interview. But there are a few things that I struggle with that she's seemed to conquer when it comes to like insecurities, confidence, people pleasing, saying no, all these things. And I am going to dig her and ask her how the heck. Has she gotten to this level of like confidence and security within herself? All righty, let's bring on Lisa. So for those of you guys who are listening, Lisa Bilyeu is the co-founder and president of Impact Theory, a digital media production company and billion dollar brand Quest Nutrition. I feel like everyone knows Quest Nutrition. Although unconventional, her career path has been, in her own words, an astonishing art form that is still evolving. So she is jumping in front of the cameras as host of the show, Women of Impact, that centers on all things female empowerment. Lisa's incredible story begins after she becomes a housewife dropout, which we are definitely going to talk about. And she is someone, as many of you guys who are listening know, I discovered on Instagram. I love her, the way she empowers women, her confidence, her ability to just kind of have like no apologies to be yourself. And I'm like, oh, give me some of that. So Lisa, thank you so much for being here. Oh my God. Thank you guys for having me. So exciting. Ah, you are amazing. And I'm like fangirling because I'm just I'm genuinely such a fan of you. Um, Oh, thank you. I love hearing that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I mean, you must hear that all the time, though, because you do have such a great, wonderful following of women who are hoping to become as passionate and confident and driven and successful as yourself. That's very kind. I don't really think of it like that. I just think of it as every person that says it, I've somehow done something right in my path that has then echoed into helping this person. So to be honest, I freaking love hearing it. Like it's not the ego thing. It's just making sure that I am getting the results that I'm going for. So for me to step in front of the camera, I was cripplingly, you know, like insecure about getting in front of the camera, but I was like, okay, well, if I can help people, then that's more important than my my ego. And so, all right, ego, you're not going to get in the way. So step out and do, you know, your thing. And so hearing that, doing my thing, stepping out of like being uncomfortable and, you know, facing my inadequacies and, you know, not necessarily always having the confidence, but still doing it anyway. And then hearing that it really does impact you. Like, honestly, that means the world to me. So I don't want to dismiss that. Were you your husband's most successful student? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say yes. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) I said it was the best investment because I got a lifetime of education. (laughs) That's it. That's it. You came to America and you got educated for life. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. On that note that you were just talking about, I want to start off with a quote from you because it's something that it's literally exactly who I am as well. Like I feel like these are words that I could have spoken myself. And then Mm -hmm. there's, I guess like the end of it is more like, 
you're there and I feel like you've achieved this thing and with confidence and without having to be a people pleaser and with knowing how to say no. I don't know. Like, I feel like you've really conquered this. And so for me, I'm so selfish in this podcast where I like find people who I really, really admire and respect and want to learn from. And it's literally like therapy for me because I'll bring them on. I'll be like, so I really like this about you. Can you teach me how you do this? We've had actual therapists on to give us a therapy session. Yeah. For so, free. Yeah. No insurance needed. Yeah, yeah it's great. exactly. It's wonderful. I love that. <laughs> so yeah. So I want to start off with this quote from you because I can relate to it on so many levels. And what you say, Lisa, you said, what is the worst thing? that can happen if I share this story. Okay, so maybe people will hate me. People might try and shame me. That's just human nature. But what is the best thing that can happen? The best that can happen is my story is about impacting at least one person. Now, when I look at it hand in hand, is the worry of me being shamed or putting myself down, sharing something that may embarrass me, is that feeling going to outweigh the impact of what I'm going to bring? And so... That's literally like my thoughts as well. Like I'm always like, mm. why would we hide our skeletons in our closet or our insecurities and feel alone in these struggles when so many people, women and men included, are going through the same exact thing? And so I'm right there with you. I enjoy being vulnerable because it literally is like therapy to just let mm. your skeleton out and then you're not hiding anything. So you don't have to like lie or pretend or fake because people know anyway. So you're like, okay, well, I don't have to worry about putting on a happy face if I'm not actually happy or whatever the case may be. The thing that I know that you have that someone like myself and maybe even someone who isn't quite even there yet with, you know, not caring if whatever her skeletons are, are shameful or whatever. The thing that I'm struggling with is exactly what you are like queen of. And that's, you know, <laughs> the way that you're able and I feel like I know this just by following you on Instagram and the things that you share there, which by the way, for everyone listening, of course, you know, I'm going to add her Instagram handle in the show notes and all the things. And I'll ask her at the very, very end where you guys can find her. Because trust me, if you're struggling with any of these things, or if you can relate with what we're talking about right now, this is a great person to follow. So Lisa, the one mm -hmm. thing I wanted to ask you, I have a few different things. But the first thing I guess I would say is understanding the power of saying no. Like I'm at a point right now in my own life where I'm literally like, at this breaking point where I'm constantly, I almost fear saying I don't want to please people because I do want to please people. You're a people pleaser. I am a people pleaser. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But there's got to be boundaries. And you got to not feel bad for saying no. But and this is where I'm like, okay, Lisa, so help me because I feel like you've, you've conquered this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm handing the torch off to you. Tell me what I do. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. I love that. So there's so many little things there. So first of all, I want to address the fact that you said that you feel like I've conquered it all. And actually, that's a misconception. It's important for me to say this because it is a daily practice. It is like mm. going to the gym. You can mm -hmm. work out really hard, eat well, work out, build your muscle for a whole year, but then you stop. What happens after a year? You don't have the same muscles anymore. You don't have the same strength. So to me, it is a muscle. Overcoming shame is a muscle. Um, mm. Facing my inadequacies and not letting my ego get in the way to me is a muscle that mm -hmm. I have to keep training. So while it may seem like, oh, I got my shit together. The truth is, is that I understand that I don't always. And the reason why I kind of caveat that so I don't feel badly when I drop the ball, mm. because that's the thing, right? We set ourselves up of like, okay, I'm going to do this and this is what I'm going to do. And what we don't realize is sometimes that setup is actually going to be extremely detrimental to the result because you're always focusing on that thing versus just figuring out like, 
okay, I'm back here again. Don't mm-hmm. beat myself up. Don't worry about that. I thought I was going to be here and now I'm not. Go, okay, what do I know? What did I, have I learned? What have I been practicing over these last few years? And then how do I re-implement it so that I keep going? So that's actually really important to say because I still have a negative voice. I still have, like what you said, I love that you said this, that you're, you're still a people pleaser. And it's not a bad thing. That's another thing is, in social media and out there, I think a lot of things are becoming easy to say, right? I get it. It's like one-liners, stop being a people pleaser, say no to everyone. And the truth is, if I think of that as absolute truth, I am going to fail because Mm. I... I do want to please people. Like, I love the feeling of pleasing my husband. Why is that Mm -hmm. a bad thing, Mm -hmm. right? It becomes a bad thing when it becomes detrimental to your self-esteem, when it becomes detrimental to who you are and what your goals are and how you show up every day. So if you're ignoring your own emotions, your own feelings, your own drive, your own passion in order to please someone, that's where I think the problem is. Mm -hmm. It's not if it doesn't, right? Like, I absolutely will sometimes pause and go, I want to make my husband happy. What do I know? How do I do that? Or I want to make my team happy. Or my parents. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, going to knowing when it's right and knowing when it is now becoming detrimental to you as a human. Mm-hmm. So that's a thing. And then even with the no boundary thing, do you have a very clear goal of what you're trying to get to in like two sentences? You know what? My goal in two sentences would be I want to empower women and inspire them to like live their best lives. I want to like kind of lead a life that shows other women. Well, you know, I come from, I guess you probably don't know, but like I come from way more than two sentences. I mean, I don't, I'm trying (laughs) to make this two sentences, but I come from just in to sum it up. Like my mom had a, no support system herself. So she ended up turning to drugs for support. And I was like just tossed around as a kid. And like we lived in trailer parks and all the things. And my goal is not only to inspire little girls that like myself when I was little, but even women who maybe come from a very healthy lifestyle, but they just don't have that confidence to to learn boundaries and all the things. And I'm not there yet, but that's my ultimate goal. And I'm very passionate about television hosting. I'm a host of um, this TV show, Lifetime, called Married at First Sight Unfiltered. And my 10-year goal, like my long-term goal is I would love to be like even an inkling, like an Ellen or an Oprah, you know, like I just the way that they inspire and give. And that's like kind of my my goals, I guess. But with the overall arch of it all, the thing that I always want to remember is that my goal is to help women know that they're not alone in whatever it is that they're struggling with and that I feel like no one should ever feel ostracized for maybe the way they look, the way they feel, the way they think, you know, things of these natures. And what's interesting is that I think that I'm so passionate about that because those are all things that I've struggled with, obviously, personally. And so mm. and continue to. And I love how you said, don't think I got it all figured out because it it's a muscle. And that to me, that was like, oh my gosh, there's a light at at my tunnel because I feel like I've been trying to figure it out for so long and I'm like, I'm never figuring it out. Like, how do these people figure it out? Mm. Well, maybe you never do figure it out. You just have to constantly take yourself back there. And so already this interview is, I'm loving it. So thank you so Aww. much for taking the time. <laughs> and And real quick too. So because it's not always easy for people to get over that hump and to be able to take that first step to, you know, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work on that muscle that you were talking about. 
Was there a turning point in your life? What was that thing that kind of got you over the edge to start that routine of working on yourself and empowering women? And what led you to that? Was there a rock bottom moment or was there just like a realization? So this is actually a great thing. First of all, Jamie, thank you so much for sharing that goal with me. That's so beautiful. And I actually would love to talk to you further about that, of refining like how many people is people, right? For me, while you actually repeated the line, the quote at the beginning where you're like, as long as I help one person, the truth is I'm not looking just to help one person. If mm-hmm. I was looking to help just one person, I would shut the computer. I would call uh-huh. my sister. I would hit up my friend and help them. You know, when I think about who I actually want to help, it is 100% on a global scale. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's why I use video. It helps dictate the direction I'm going to go in. So do I do podcast interviews? Yes, because my goal is to help women on a global scale, right? So it all feeds into kind of just closing that little thing is Uh that's where you know where to say no and when to say yes and where to set boundaries. Does it align with your future goal and be so very specific that you know? So for instance, like you said, helping little girls, I'm exactly the same. And so when I have really refined what that goal is, to me, it is helping a 14-year-old girl get over a negative mindset and they attribute that to something I have been a part of. So now I go, if someone comes at me, oh my God, Lisa, would you do this TV show or whatever? I can go, cool. It sounds exciting. Oh my God, your ego can get in the way, right? Like someone wants me for a TV show. Mm -hmm. And then I go, hang on a minute. Does it align with my goal? And I've just refined my goal of affecting a 14 year old girl that feels badly about herself. Well, if this is a TV show about, you know, Christmas, I'd be like, it probably doesn't help a 14 year old girl. So I'm going to say no. So that's how I start to refine where I say no, where I set my boundaries and then respectfully explain my boundaries when someone comes to me I go look I would love this idea oh my god that's such a great you know I really would but it doesn't align with me helping a 14 year old girl I wish you well I'm here to support you and now you move on and that's how you kind of say no politely so I just wanted to kind of wrap that up I love that so is that your goal I kind of want to ask you now what is I mean you have done everything (laughs) under I mean, the sun, and I don't think we have enough time on this podcast to like name all your <laughs> accolades. But like I shared in the beginning, I mean, Quest Nutrition from that, which is very different than kind of like your presence on social media, which is, I feel like a million percent empowering women and whatnot. What is your goal in like two sentences? Yes, Quest was impacting the body. True universal health must mean body and mind. Oh, so I love that. We did great with the body. The bars were doing amazingly well. But me and my husband were like, okay, do we actually want to help people or do we just want to bullshit and say that we want to help people? Because the bullshit answer is, cool, let's just, you know, oh, we're helping people. And we don't, we discovered the power of the mind. We discovered that for the people who were eating the Quest bars, they were happy. They were able to pick up the bar. They were able to go to the gym. But what about the people who were too depressed that Uh. didn't feel good enough to pick up a protein bar to eat it? What about the person that didn't feel good about Please go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying yes. Oh, like, oh you put your hands it, girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like the person that doesn't have the confidence, that has so much anxiety and crippling anxiety, they don't believe they're good enough to eat healthy or whatever, mm-hmm. like, or to step in the gym because of the shame and the embarrassment. Mm-hmm. So that's where my, me and my husband, our background is filmmaking. That's where our roots come from. Quest was going to be a stepping stone into creating content. So that's where we're just like, all right, let's just 
quest was extremely successful but you know true fulfillment is also the mind so we pivoted we built a studio and so that's where we've gone hardcore on the content and then for me it has been refining my own mission and goal where it's like okay there's two parts of me and I have to own those two parts one of them is the woman and and Doug I'm going to come back to your question of like did I hit rock bottom the truth is I didn't hit rock bottom and that's almost the problem most people that I've personally been able to interview all these incredible women that have done so much successful things usually their story starts with so I hit rock bottom I lost my house my partner divorced me I lost my job and couldn't afford you know x y and z it's always that they hit rock bottom then came and then reinvented their lives and, that, and, and the that's thing kind of what I was is- getting at because it, you know a lot of people will wait until something happens a lot of people will wait you Correct. know and, which is okay it's okay because that happens a lot but for someone that's kind of just like teetering back and forth, you don't have to wait for a rock bottom, you know, if you want to make a change. But sometimes it's difficult to realize that. And that's the thing is that I don't I don't know if I would have changed my life if because my life. So for eight years, I was a stay at home wife. I was supporting my husband. I was brought up Greek Orthodox. So I was very much like support your husband, put his clothes out, cook for him. He was off to chase money, chasing money. We were supposed to then make movies. So that was kind of the strategy. It would be take one year. But what ended up happening is, as we all know, entrepreneurship isn't easy. Making money isn't easy. So this strategy from one year ended up being eight years. And so my life was just became very monotonous. Support my husband, put his clothes out. And I like to call it the purgatory of the mundane. My life was just mundane. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't bad enough that I felt I had the right to complain, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I have a house, a roof over my head. I have a husband that loves me. Who am I to to complain about my life? How dare you, Lisa, right? And so Mm -hmm. I'm repeating this narrative for eight years until my husband finally was miserable. I won't bore you with the story, but like he was miserable. I was like, you must leave. Stop chasing money. We need to start, you know, really chasing purpose. Mm -hmm. And this was before kind of that became a thing. And so he came home and he's like, all right, me and my business partners have decided we all hate this company. We're going to go off and start a new protein bar company. Do you mind helping out? And that was like, oh, well, I'm a good Greek wife. What do I know about myself? Of course, I'm going to help out. My husband asks me. I'm not going to disappoint my husband. Our house was on the line. So if the company failed, we would lose the house. So I jumped in with both feet and I was like, I have no freaking idea what I'm doing. But yes, I will support my husband and save our house. And in that process... So say helping was I was shipping protein bars from my living room floor and we were on the weekends hand rolling protein bar with rolling pins and cutting them with knives. And again, I just told myself I'm helping my husband and his business partners. But what ended up happening was when you grow at 57,000% and you go from zero to a billion dollar company in five years, you either have the choice to stop or freaking, you know, those ducks. Have you ever seen them where they look like all the swans where they're so peaceful and then underneath they're freaking like paddling like crazy yeah, because yeah. like they just yeah. had, like that was me. I'm like the paddling like crazy. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea about business. I've been a supportive wife for eight years. But because I kept telling myself, I have to do, I have to learn. We're growing so quickly. Lisa, they're relying on you. In that process is where I learned who I was. In that process, I learned, wow, it's not even about feeling good about yourself because I didn't feel good a lot of the time because I was stumbling. I had no idea how to build a shipping department. But I went from shipping by myself on the living room floor to having a 10,000 square foot facility with 40 employees working underneath me alone and dealing with imports and exports and $80 million worth of inventory. Guys, I started off not knowing a damn thing. So That's wild. when I, 
going back to thank you, like going back to the, the question is, this is what haunts me is that if my husband didn't come home, if he didn't say, Hey, do you mind helping out? And then I found myself because in mm-hmm. that process after the year, I turned around to my husband and said, I don't want to be a stay at home wife anymore. I don't want to put your clothes out for you. I love <laughs> you more than life itself. I hope that this isn't a reflection of how much you see me loving you. Mm-hmm. And that would make me very sad. But the truth is, I don't want to put your clothes out. This isn't satisfying. This isn't fulfilling anymore. I want to do my own thing. I want to like go into this business thing, not knowing really what I was doing. I didn't want kids. That was another thing. I was telling him I wanted four children. And I realized, actually, I don't want children anymore. And instead of kind of just throwing at him, like, this is who I am, I just sat him down and I was just very honest. I was like, I love you so much, but I'm getting so excited. I've never had more fun in my life than I am right now, where I'm learning about things, figuring out who Lisa is, becoming more confident. And I don't want to put your clothes out anymore. And he just looked at me and he's like, babe, what kind of husband would I be if I didn't support my wife when she's this freaking happy? Yeah. You know? And so we we came up to the conclusion of like, I was going to wean him off kind of like with drugs. I was like, all right, babe. So what if I put your clothes out for just five days a week instead of seven days a week? And what There's happens if I only put for you three days? Just the underwear. and I got your underwear. Yeah, exactly. You got the rest of your clothes. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, because I wanted to show him the respect too, that I was changing who I was, that this isn't the person that he married. I was changing the promises that I had made. Mm. And instead of kind of throwing them and saying, hey, you have to accept who I am, I just brought him into the process. And I think that that was a massive way of how we went from having very different traditional family roles to then coming together and being in business now for 12 years and being married for 19 years and being together for over 20 years. Wow. That's an incredible story. And actually real quick, what's the best knife to use to cut a protein bar? (laughs) Oh God. The funny thing. So I'm actually going to show you. Oh, she has it. (laughs) This is, this is the thing. Once we actually sold Quest, the new owners, it was actually very nice of them. They sent us this plaque and I know people on podcasts can't see it. Oh, that's amazing. That's the size. And Uh what it was is imagine this grid as like 20 of them. But it was like a big sheet of those grids. Ah. You would stick it. You would like push it into the dough. So you would yeah. use the rolling pin and then push that into the dough. And then you would just get a regular knife on like the corners that weren't quite cut properly. That's <laughs> it awesome. wasn't fancy. That's the truth. And you're getting a workout doing it too. But you're also getting great. like, yeah. I don't know, 20 quest bars instead yeah. of like individually doing it. You get 20 <laughs> at a time with that rolling pin. Yeah, yeah. So then, exactly. So Lisa, from there, right, you're at this happiest point ever. You've found purpose. You're motivated. What helped make that transition into sharing your story and empowering women? Yes, thank you, actually. That brings me back around to your question, Jamie. So thank you, guys. Um, It really then goes to, you know, I was just stumbling, figuring things out, growing quests, not knowing what I was doing, getting very sick in the process because I was just a grinder. Don't listen to your body. Just keep going. You can't break. And so I just didn't listen to my body. And so at the height of quest, we're announced as a billion dollar company. We get the dream hammer. Literally everything you kind of dream about when you're trying to build has actually happened. And it's happened within, you know, five years. And it's like, is this real? Like you're just you're so in awe and you're so excited and in the moment where that dream came true is the moment my body gave in and they can find my story you know on my social and stuff but my gut really did feel like it fell apart my gut felt like it exploded and so what happened was after that I could barely eat anything for over a year and so I lost like I was 20 pounds lighter than I am now I was very very sick 
And so here I was, the total freaking cliche, where it's like, money doesn't buy happiness. I'm like, how many people have to say this, right? Until we actually believe that actually money doesn't equate happiness. Because Mm -hmm. I was the most financially successful. The business was a billion dollar company. Everyone knew who we were. We were culturally extremely relevant. And I couldn't even stand up for more than five minutes at a time because my gut was protruding so much and I was in so much agony. That's how bad it got. So Mm. in that moment, after I started to struggle and feel like, how do I get better? And oh my God, I was neglecting my body. And oh my God, I wasn't, you know, paying attention. Self-care didn't even exist in my own Mm -hmm. life. And I was just bullying myself with like the mindset. And I was like, Lisa, you're not freaking good enough. Do better, do better. And all of this made me realize I had done it to myself with no blame, no shame or anything like that, but just go, wow, I actually did this to myself. And so that was the best news because if I got myself sick, then I then get empowered. Going back to another question you asked of how do I flip that perspective? It literally came to, okay, I can say, no, 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 it's the doctor's fault. They gave me too many antibiotics. But the truth is they didn't force it down my throat. The truth is they said, you know, probably shouldn't give you this many, but I didn't do the research. So that is on me. That is not on the doctors. So now when I take that ownership, I then flip it. How do I get better? How do I improve my life? That idea of the health became everything. It became the ownership of my life. It's like, okay, you're not happy. Okay, take ownership. What are you doing? And so going back to how do I help what I do now with, you know, my show and then trying to help 14 year olds, it all came back down to my own journey and saying, I don't want to get in front of the camera, but now with no shame or judgment, just ask myself what's more important my own self-esteem, my own ego, or really impacting women. And that became the, okay, now I have to clarify, really refine what my goal is so that I can always act in accordance. Instead of listening to the negative voice that says you're not good enough, instead of listening to that negativity that tries to hold you back, I just had to flip the way of how I was showing up every day. And instead of saying, I'm going to let my ego dictate how I show up every day, I flipped it to say, I'm going to let my goal dictate. So that I can always reframe it and not let my emotions get in the way of my decisions. And I like to call that emotional sobriety. I try to be as emotionally sober as I humanly possibly can so I can always make decisions with utter clarity. And so making these decisions and going, okay, I know what my mission is now. So I know what to say yes to. Okay, being a host made sense because now I'm speaking to women who have been through the experience that I've been through, but then also developing narrative storytelling, which is currently what we're doing in the middle of developing a female superhero school for girls, uh, girl school. So it's called the Wish Academy. And that is going to be entertainment first, because when I look at what a 14 year old girl is going to do, she's not necessarily going to listen to an hour long conversation of me talking Mm -hmm. about my negative mindset, right? But (laughs) she may be picking up a comic book or an animation series series that is based on female superheroes where our main character actually her superpower is empathy and everyone else though thinks it's a terrible superpower and so the power of (laughs) empathy that we don't realize and so really embodying that so to come full circle when I I go how do I show up every day right exactly so now I go I'm blending my passion my drive what I freaking love doing with my goal so my filmmaking now I love that the everyday act of it because building quests I didn't enjoy the everyday act of it so now I know I've changed it how do I serve myself first my health is doing something that brings me true joy and then saying how does that then 
relate to my goal. So I know that was kind of long-winded, but hopefully that explains why yes. I have, why I do podcast interviews, why I have my show, and then why a big part of the finances that I get from my content, I then feed into creating this comic book animation series for these young girls. So everything is aligned. So now I know when someone comes at me with a question or something, I'm able to very much say yes or no, or know where my energy should be put. And then waking up every day, really feeling good about the mission that I'm on is going to be huge. Yeah. I mean, helping out so many people. I mean, yeah. And also I love how you have narrowed it down to like, what's your goal and is this going to help? And that helps you know when to say no. Actually, just one second, guys. Let's pause just for a minute and chat about one of our fantastic sponsors this week, Ritual Vitamins. And I mean, when we say that you know we have things that we take every single day, it is certainly vitamins. And if you haven't changed over to Ritual Vitamins, highly, highly recommend to because Jamie's been taking the prenatals. I've been taking the multivitamins. Not only do they smell and taste great, but they're tailored and catered to you and your body. And I also think that it's really pretty cool that you can take them with or without food. And it's absolutely so nice because of our insane schedules. And I mean, the pills aren't massive horse pills. They literally have everything that you need no shady extras or ingredients that you really can't pronounce or you have no idea what they are. And a lot of vitamins out there have all these extra ingredients in them. But Ritual guarantees that the vitamins are vegan-friendly and they're formulated with high-quality nutrients. And no GMOs, major allergens, synthetic fillers, or artificial colorants. I mean, we've really enjoyed taking them. And honestly, Jamie can't say it enough. They give her way more energy. I feel cleaner and healthier ever since I started taking Ritual Vitamins. And obviously, the results may vary, but that's what we both seem to notice. And the vitamins come with special tablets that actually make the vitamins taste better and not like fish. So I have mine that are peppermint. And Jamie's prenatals, they have kind of a citrusy type taste. And they also have kids ones that have a berry taste. The multivitamins have a fresh mint or spearmint taste. And I mean, Ritual thinks of the entire family when it comes to vitamins. And they literally ship these vitamins to your door every single month with completely free shipping. And also, it's super easy to start, snooze, or cancel your vitamin subscription at any time. If for whatever reason you don't like Ritual in that first month, they'll refund your first order. So get key nutrients without the BS. Visit ritual.com backslash HMCP to start Ritual today and get 10% off during your first three months. That's ritual.com backslash HMCP to get 10% off during your first three months. R-I-T-U-A-L.com backslash HMCP, 10% off during your first three months. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Okay. Back to the interview. So you've had a lot of life experience, which is amazing because you are such a great storyteller and just summing up everything. What would you say to the person or woman that says, I don't know how to make goals or I don't know what my goals should be. Mm, uh, where question. do I even start? This is great. So I think it all needs to, al- like everything for me has to align with my own purpose. And I know that word has become very buzzworthy, but really it is like what is going to get me out of bed every day because my negative voice is very loud. It's very loud. The insecurity in me is very strong. And so every day I need a reason to be able to overcome that. So that's where I go. What is that thing that attaches to me? So with Quest, while I was just like, oh my God, like I have to save my house. I have to save my husband. Eventually it became, we were getting letters from women and this really hit me so hard. I was just struggling, right? Like, just keep up. Don't, don't let your husband down. And then I started to see the impact it was having. And I didn't realize this. I didn't go into it thinking, oh, this is going to be my goal. But over time, I just started getting these letters. And there was one letter from a woman who basically said she was in hospital. She was anorexic on her basically deathbed. And she thanked us for introducing calories back to her life because she trusted Quest and she said, you know, obviously it's healthy, but it's still sweet. And it really has allowed me to accept calories again. And it's like, God damn, when you're so focused on just saving your house, right? And like not letting your husband down. And then the reality of what we were actually doing, like part of me was like, oh, we're helping people lose weight. That's great. They're going to feel great about themselves, right? But the reality of what we were actually doing was so much bigger than that. And then one other letter, and this is 10 years ago, the fact that I remember these two goes to show you how much it impacted me and how much I said, I have to acknowledge this impact and use it to now guide me. So I think a big Part of what you're saying is how do people assess their goals? They have to do the assessment. They have to look inwards. They have to keep assessing on a daily basis. It may be weeks. It may be months. Like it's never just going to come to you. It has to be a constant thing of like, what pulls you? What drives you? Oh, I didn't realize that was going to excite me. But for some reason it did. Mowing the lawn, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, like it, it could be anything. But assessing what you're doing. And then the second letter was a woman who had a type 1 diabetic son. And she said his entire life, he was like four or five at the time. She said, his entire life, I felt like a terrible mom because I keep having to tell him no when he goes to birthday parties, at school, he can't eat the cake. And she's like, you have no idea what a bad mom I feel like. But since your Quest bars, he can eat it and it doesn't spike his insulin. She's like, you have now made me feel like a better mom. Oh my goodness. When I go back to how do I have a goal, it was because of these things. It's like, well, Mm -hmm. oh God, well, what is that thing that's going to allow me to overcome that negative voice, that insecurity, the times where I don't have the confidence? Let me tell you, in those moments where I'm like, oh my God, Lisa, is this like imposter syndrome? Do you have the right to say this or do this or interview whatever it is? And then I just go, oh, you're going to like say no to the mom who has just now felt better because of your actions, right? Like, and again, when I ask myself that question, it is with no judgment. It's not like shaming myself. It literally is like, if you actually want and to protect yourself and your own ego, because if it is so crippling right now to put yourself out there, it is okay, but do it with your eyes open. Don't put blinders on. Don't pretend that there's no effect to it. There is a massive effect because right now, every time I get out of bed and I do X, Y, and Z, this is a quest, it is then affecting that woman who has the diabetic son. It is affecting that anorexic woman who is in bed about, literally about to die. But 
Don't put blinders on. Ask yourself the honest question. And then if you decide, no, 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 the crippling feeling I have is so overwhelming, cool. Then just decide, okay, I'm not going to work on a protein bar. I'm not going to put myself in front of a camera and work on the self-soothing and work on why this is holding you back before you then make that next step to put yourself out again. I'm not sure if that Great actually answer. answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so with goal and passion, it's like, you're never going to find it, guys. You're never going to stumble on it. It's not like when people say, find your passion. No, 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 no. My husband, I love the quote he says. It's like, it's not like an excavation where you have to like, you dig. It's basically a build. It's like an archaeological structure where you literally have to place things. You have to try new things. You have to practice. You have to like go, oh, well, what does it feel like to do a podcast interview with Jamie and Doug and see if I freaking like it? You know, even if I'm not confident, do it and see how you feel. So everything mm. is a testing game in order to then figure out what that goal is that gets you driven every single day. I feel like the biggest takeaway from all of that, and I feel like this is so profound because I think a lot of us tend to just live the day by day by day. And we just, you know, we just do what we think we're supposed to do, what we're told to do, what we're expected to do, rather than feeling how does it make us feel when we're doing these tasks? Is it like invoking some sort of emotion? And if it's a negative one, maybe that's not your goal, obviously. And you want to change that because let's be honest, you only get so much time in life. And you know, do you want to spend it doing something that's going to put a negative feeling in your heart? And then, and then it's okay. Don't shame yourself if you're not happy to put out the clothes for your husband in the morning. That doesn't mean you're a bad person or you don't love your, your husband. It just means that that's not like giving you joy. And so then it's like, okay, but this other part where I am helping my husband just use your, you know, your story as an example, where I'm helping him with his business, you know, with the protein bars and whatnot, that's still helping him. And I'm still showing I'm loving him, but I'm also super freaking pumped about it and I'm passionate about it. And so I think the biggest takeaway for myself and for everyone listening would be if you're not sure what your goals are, or what you're passionate about, feel the feelings of your everyday mm. life. Like instead of just going through the motions, feel your feelings and know that they're valid and know that it's okay. And it doesn't make you a bad person because obviously you can be a good person doing different things as well. In Lisa's example, she's not putting her husband's clothes out anymore, but she helped him build an empire. So I think that he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thank you for saying that because that really became a big thing, like defining what being a good wife or a good husband or a good business partner or a good friend, whatever it is, define what that means to you. It's so important to assess that because we are so looking outwards. For instance, you, what, what to you, Jamie, it may a great wife may not resonate with me. That isn't like necessarily how I perceive being a good wife is. And that may not be how my husband perceives it. Mm -hmm. But if all I'm looking at you and like, oh my God, I have to copy her because she's a great wife. Now I'm doing a disservice to me and my relationship with my husband. So sitting down first of all and going, okay, shut out the noise. What does that look like to me? And then getting with your partner and then saying, do you agree? The thing I say to my husband is what looks like a good wife to you? And am I willing to do that? Even though we've been together all this time, it's still a, you know, an evolution. And mm -hmm. the question I actually ask him every single year is, what did I used to do for you that I don't do anymore that you wish I did again? That's a really good question. Like asking the hard questions and actually wanting to hear them. Mm -hmm. Like, what is the thing, babe, that I'm actually dropping the ball on right now is your wife? And I asked him that like a couple of weeks ago. Because I want to know the answer. I truly want to know the actual, not to like, don't ask the question if you want them to go, oh my God, no, you're perfect. Mm -hmm. Well, now you can't improve on your relationship and you can't improve on yourself. And also if he's honest with you, well, then you're just looking for an argument then at that point, if you're not right. really genuinely <laughs> interested in the answer, because yeah, yeah. So that makes perfect sense. It, 
Exactly. So once I started to assess like, okay, what does a really good wife look like? Oh, it actually doesn't mean putting clothes out for him every single day. Does he actually care about that? It's easy Mm. for him. So it made his life easier, but does he feel the love? Does that actually bring us closer? No. So we just redefined it, redefined what our marriage looked like, redefined what our relationship was now that I was entering business. And on the weekends, I still love to take care of my husband. I'm quite traditional like that. So on the weekends, I cook for him. Mm. And there you go. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's, I found a happy medium that I get to feel like who I want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And other people listening maybe go, why should you take care of him? You don't, you know, okay, that, that's great for you. And mm-hmm. I honestly respect anyone that decides on the type of relationship they want. But at the same time, this is the relationship I'm stating I want. I want to take care of him. It makes me feel good. I just don't want to do it as a career. Yeah, totally. And, and Lisa, if we can take you back and I, I know we're going to wrap up the interview soon because I want to respect your time. But when you were 14, what did your life look like in front of you? Mm-hmm. What were your goals at 14? Because it, it seems that's kind of the target audience that you're looking for and empowering. And I just want to just kind of emphasize how things change from a teenage person to where you become. But when you were 14 years old, what did you imagine your life as? Yeah. So this is actually really interesting. I'm currently writing a book and this is where I'm digging deep because I would say at 14, I was getting up at 3am on Oscar day and I was switching on the TV. I was watching the Oscars, dreaming about the day that I would live in America and walk the red carpet. So little old Lisa is literally dreaming this. And at the same time, I have crippling lack of confidence. I was picked on for my looks. I was called Concord because I have a big nose. I had the unibrow because I'm Greek. I had like the head of braces that literally wrapped around the neck. I had they the don't head do this too. now. But I had that you? when I was younger, yeah. Yeah, like the one that goes all the way around with it. Yeah, we used to put Christmas balls on it during Christmas. Oh so take a picture. <laughs> That's amazing. But yeah, like it's a bit of an eyesore. And at 14, come on, like as you're going through puberty, it was the worst thing ever. And so I was just, I didn't have confidence in myself. So I didn't believe in myself, but I had these dreams. And these dreams always got knocked down. Being a Greek girl, it was like, your head's in the clouds. You're going to get married. I had an argument with my dad because I wanted to study film at college. And we would argue, argue, argue. And eventually he gave in. He was like, well, you're going to be a housewife anyway. So it doesn't really matter what you study. He didn't mean that as to be cruel. I just want Mm -hmm. to very much state that Mm -hmm. he was a Greek man that was brought up in an era where women only had children. His mum didn't even go to high school. So for him, it was just like, well, women, you know, education for women isn't a big deal because you're going to end up having kids anyway. So when you go to what was I like at 14, it was having these big weird dreams and yet at the same time, not believing them at all, but having the audacity to keep going. Like that was the thing. It was like, I was crippling inside. And that's actually the thing that I really want to highlight in the book is that people think that I'm confident, but the truth is it's not that way. I just do it anyway. So when you're like, oh my God, you took a chance. That must have taken so much confidence. No. Like when I went on the TEDx stage, I was petrified. Mm. I'd never done a speaking gig ever, but I made a promise to myself that anytime something scares me, I must say yes. And I'd made a promise to myself. So the second someone approached me and said, hey, do you want to do a TEDx talk? I'd never been on stage before. I immediately literally blurted out yes without thinking about it. And then for the last Six months after that, I couldn't sleep. I was petrified. I was like having my husband coach me. And then I got on stage and I mess up and I was just like, but I did it. Like, I'm so freaking proud that I did it. And it becomes a stepping stone to build the confidence. So people may think that, but 
that's the key, right? That That's the thing is like, how do you go from not feeling good about yourself, but not let that hold you back from these big freaking audacious dreams and goals that this anyone has that may be listening. And I, when I say big dreams, I don't even think it needs to be build a billion dollar company, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. create content that's going to impact thousands. No, no, that could literally be, I want to quit my day job because I hate it so much. And I want to build a family because that is what my dream really is. I want to encourage anyone, whatever shift they want to make, they should absolutely go after it, even if they don't have the confidence and to somehow over time practice how they don't let the external voices, external validation dictate how they show up. Absolutely. I love all of this. And I also... I'm like kind of just shocked sitting here listening to you because like I said at the top of this interview, I'm like, this girl's confident and she's like, she empowers so many people and you're like, I'm actually not confident. I just say yes anyways (laughs) and I just go for it. And then I kind of gain the confidence. And I think that that's absolutely incredible. Just so incredible. I want to touch base on this book that you're writing because I know that it's coming out. I think I saw it the summer of 2022. Your book is coming out. Is that right? Yeah, it's in May. We're scheduled for May in 2022. Okay. And then do you have the title of the book? I have it. I supposedly am not allowed to. I have to do like an announcement. Oh, so again, this is one of these things gotcha. you want to talk about. I got approached to write a book and I literally was like, oh, that's sweet. And I just, I just moved on. And my husband's like, wait, 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 you should need to consider it. And the first things out of my mouth, girl, was who would buy a book from me? That was Aww. literally the first words out I of my mouth. I can't even believe that. And, <laughs> but, but again, going to, oh yeah, okay. Not judging myself. Okay, yeah, of course, the negative voice speaks up. Of course it does, because I know that about myself. Let her speak. Great. She has said, who would buy a book from you? So I'm listening. What am I listening to the negative voice trying to train me? It is like, Lisa, you've never written a book before. Great. That's actually a really good point. I've never written a book before. So now what do I have to learn? So even in this, I'm like, I don't know. I have to, I'm still trying to figure out, when do I actually announce the title? I have no clue. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't let that stop me from not writing the book, right? I yeah. don't let that stop me from not talking about the book so it kind of does echo everything we've been talking about so yes I'm not quite sure yet what that process looks like but it absolutely is so aligned with everything we've been talking about it's about confidence so it's about not having the confidence but doing it anyway that's really like the crust of what the book is about and taking people through these things of when you feel like you're about to self-sabotage what to do I'm very tactical I'm very tactical because as you know hopefully it's already shown that my emotions absolutely can steer me in the wrong direction so I need tactics in order to overcome the emotions that I'm always feeling so the book will be very tactical break down a lot of this sort of thing that we've been talking about and then it really reflects like what life do you want I'm not talking about building a big business I'm not even talking about like what life do you want and these are the steps that I believe are going to get you to that goal whether you want to be an astronaut whether you want to be a teacher whether you want to be a stay-at-home wife whatever that thing is you deserve whatever dream you really want for yourself and so I actually just launched my website, lisabillu.com. Like I feel all professional now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, you are, you are. <laughs> um, but anyone that wants to know more about the book to please go over there and subscribe to my newsletter. It's very much me just pouring my heart and soul into the truth of how I got from being the housewife to where I am now. Um, and just trying to share as much of that as humanly possible. And just to add on to that, if anybody listening wants to be able to follow you on Instagram or any social media platform, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you. That'll be at Lisa Bilyeu, B-I-L-Y-E-U. It's a bit of a 
complex spelling, but there you go. Yeah, no, yeah. My goodness, Lisa, this has been just such a phenomenal interview. And honestly, at the very right time in my life, I know that we had to reschedule this once. And so like, I really believe that when one door closes, or when something gets, you know, maybe pushed off or whatever the case may be, truly, you know, that's probably for a reason. And literally, this interview came at such a very meaningful time in my life. And so I probably came into this interview thinking, oh, I'm going to get the tips and the tricks on how to be confident. And what I realized Mm. at the end of it is that really the confidence, there is no tip or trick one in particular per se. It really comes back to, like you said at the very start of this interview, flexing that muscle and using it and looking within and maybe saying yes, whether or not you're confident or not. But just going out there anyways. Like maybe you don't believe in yourself, but just try it anyways and see what happens. And maybe that's how you learn to believe in yourself. So yeah, and serving your life and your purpose based on what your goals are. And like feeling the feelings. Listen to your body. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's another part I wanted to talk about which would be a whole different day. But when you said, uh, this is something that's like really, that really was profound for me. It was that when you said Quest Nutrition, it's now a billion dollar industry. You've worked, you know, real hard and you didn't listen to your body or do any sort of self-care. And so then you're like literally having what seems to be all the money in the world, all the things that anybody could possibly want. And you feel like crap. Well, that's, I feel like that's almost a little bit kind of like where I'm at anyway. Not that I have, we don't have a billion dollar industry or anything like that. But, um, you know, that's and we kind can of both stand up. Yeah. And I, yeah, my stomach's protruding mm-hmm. for a different reason. But that's okay. <laughs> but no, like, I feel like that was, first of all, such a true statement. And then the flip side of that was, you know, you said that you developed this billion dollar industry with Quest and it's helping people physically, but mentally. What if they're mentally not there to even pick up the bar, to go to the gym? And that's, Kind of, I mean, I feel like that's a whole different conversation for another day. But I, I resonate, I feel that in my in my soul, and yeah. So I'm just going to continue to follow you, and I'm pumped for your book that's coming out in the spring Thank of 2022. Girl. And I can't wait to find out. There's going to, I'm certain there's going to be some great title release, and I will be there cheering you on for sure from the sidelines. And I will definitely be reading your book. There's so and your woman of impact show. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Thank you. yeah, I mean, you're just a phenomenal human being. And I, I, I hope you, you know that truly that. and what you do and how you serve. It is so incredible. It really is. So I hope I hope you know that. And thank, thank you, you so thank much for taking the time I'm out to be here. You- I'm going to give you one little piece because as that ending, something came to my mind because you said when you came on, you wanted to like pick my brain about confidence and stuff. Here's one more thing that is so important. Like if we can like bucket of it, this is the biggest takeaway ever, girl, is that people think confidence is the end goal, right? You came on going, I want to know how she gets confident. But here's the thing. Confidence isn't your end goal. Confidence is your tool to get to your end goal. Mm. So instead of focusing on the tool, focus on the end goal. So if mm. that thing for you is impacting women, don't so focus on, I need the confidence because there is no, that doesn't end, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, no, no. I want to impact people. That's your end goal. Mm. So instead of focusing on the confidence, focus on how do I get to the end goal? Because then you'll find you'll keep doing things when you don't have the confidence because you're not focusing on the confidence being the thing. That's really good advice. And also, the only way you ever really gain confidence, at least, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the best way that you gain confidence, whether it's in a sport, whether it's being a wife, whether it's being a parent, is literally practicing. Like practice makes... Yes. I don't want to say perfect because I really don't believe in perfection. You know, like perfect is never going to exist. But practice, practice, practice. And that is what builds confidence is to like put yourself out there. That could be the title of the book. 
do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, my, anyway. my husband actually has a great quote that I now have just completely stolen. But he says, basically, confidence comes from competence. And in ah, order to get yes. competent, you have to keep at it. Yes. It isn't once and done, right? Like as babies, we don't just go, oh, I'm going to walk, get up, walk, get done. No, no, no. You have to like, you fall, you get back up, you fall, you get back up. But as adults, we don't give ourselves that leeway in order to go from zero to competent. And I think that that then becomes the effect of why we don't have the confidence. That is so true. That is exactly it. That is that is a great nutshell to leave us on. Thank you so much, Lisa. I can't <laughs> Aww, thank you enough thank for taking it. I know you are a busy, busy mom or well, woman. I wouldn't say mama because <laughs> uh, you don't want children. And I also told I mean, that's a whole other conversation also that I really, really respect about you and that you, you know, you will support a woman who wants to be a mom. But you also support women who don't want to be a mom. And you don't have to be just because you're a woman. You don't have to just be the housewife popping out babies. I think that that's also like so admirable and there's an audience for that of women who need to know that that's okay you know that you're not just made to necessarily pop up babies unless that brings you so much joy and happiness right yeah and then that's fine too but anyways (laughs) yes thank you so much for the time i'm pumped about your book and we are cheering you on for sure over here in new jersey so thank you again for coming on thank you oh my (laughs) pleasure thanks for having me guys absolutely we'll talk to you soon lisa take care thanks lisa bye bye She was on fire. She was literally everything and then some. I genuinely had a whole... I had two pages of questions that I wanted to ask her. And we, instead of it being like kind of question, answer, question, answer, we just had a conversation, which was really, really nice. And she was open to it too. And she has so much to say and tell. And you can... I mean, you could always tell when someone's passionate about what they're doing. And, you know, just the smile on her face talking Mm. about it, just it's infectious. It really, really is. And it's so... It's actually a lot for me to like even just digest sitting here because like I said, I am a big fan of this girl. And when she puts content out on Instagram is where I follow her mostly. It's always follow your heart, believe in yourself, do what brings you most joy, things like that. And so my question or my belief, I guess, on her was that she just must have like all the answers and be so confident. (laughs) And I don't know. And it's like, she literally just told me it's straight from the horse's mouth. The girl that I think is the most confident says that she's not confident. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just like, whoa. Yeah. I really do agree with what she's saying about when you have your goal set and you go about your life with the purpose of your goal, everything starts to kind of fall in place. And it's just a matter of coming up with the right goals for you. And if it takes you a little bit, that's okay. Yeah, definitely. And I just want to touch on the fact that when she says money doesn't buy happiness and everybody, you've heard that saying over and over and over again. But if money is your goal, you're never going to be happy. So if you're looking for your goals and if you're looking for true happiness, don't put a dollar sign on it because Mm -hmm. that will never, I promise you, that will never make it happy. And if you, you know, maybe your goal is to live in a house, maybe change your goal to what do you want to take place in that house? Because a big house is not going to buy you happiness. If your goal is Maserati, isn't that a fancy car? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Or a Lamborghini. I know that one's a fancy, expensive one. Sure. It's going to be fun to drive. Maybe, maybe it's going to be exciting to be able to afford it, whatever the case may be. But like, is that really going to bring you happiness? I don't necessarily think that's a good example. Why? In my opinion, because Something material, yes, but because a lot of people dream about having something. If a Lamborghini is your dream car, 
and you've test drove and everything, like I have to imagine that you're going to be extremely happy with that. But it's, is it a, a life's goal? Is it going to be your purpose? Because I think mm. you kind of find yourself from there. But I, mm. you know, I think having a goal like that is certainly something to strive towards. And if that's your absolute dream car, of course, you're going to be happy in that. And that's going to bring you satisfaction. But you don't want to take your eye off the process and you want to make sure that you know that's something that you're serving yourself and you're serving others and the people around you but i think having a lamborghini for someone that has always dreamed about a lamborghini that would make them happy but i hear what you're saying as well but what i i guess all i'm trying to get at is that if you make your goal materialistic and that's like your end goal your end focus you might be missing out on your purpose. Mm. When you fulfill and accomplish your purpose, that brings you long-term happiness, at least I can imagine. Mm. Whereas if you get a car that's going to maybe even rust one day or something, or you get a house that, sure, you're going to be happy. And of course, you can have goals and dreams to have these things. But if you think that that's going to bring you true internal happiness, maybe reevaluate or add to, I should say, like, yeah, you don't have I, to just have one goal. Yeah, like you can have I mean, I have a goal of living on the water. I really would love to live on the water ever since I found out who my dad was and that he loved boats and lakes and stuff and so now I'm like, well now I want I never wanted to live on the water my whole entire life, but now I'm like, well I would love to live on the water because I feel like maybe I'll have a connection or I'll understand my dad a little bit better or something. He's passed, so I don't have a chance to know him. So of course, that's a goal. But like, I know in my heart that that's not necessarily... I mean, of course, it's, it's a pivot of happiness maybe. But just from where I come from to now, what I have, which is like financial security in the bank and whatnot, and I'm more miserable now than I was when I was so incredibly poor and I had custody of my siblings and whatnot, I would say if you're genuinely looking for happiness... Just like Lisa said, the money in the bank is not going to matter. The home isn't going to matter. The car is not going to matter. Sure, those things can bring you joy. But if you're looking for something that's really going to fulfill your soul, find your purpose. And it's okay if it's not having babies, but your whole family thinks that you're supposed to have babies. And you may not have it in mind right now, I think is what the point there is because you know certainly she didn't have a goal of protein bars, but she fell into it and then found her purpose. Exactly. You know? So it's like and so if you're looking to try to find your purpose and you're not sure how, then it goes. So we can take it even one step further. Feel your feelings. Allow yourself to feel what it is you're feeling. So if you are, for example, feeding your baby and taking care of your toddler day in and day out and you're absolutely nutty and it's driving you crazy and you're like, I need an outlet. It's okay if maybe being a stay-at-home mom isn't your thing and you obviously love your kids immensely, but you need a break. You know, you want to have your own income and and that's okay. Or maybe it's the alternative. If you're at a job that you feel like is sucking the life out of you and all you really want is to be home to feed your babies. And those are just two examples. I feel like that's probably a good enough example to share with you, you know, but I guess I just wanted to like, just as a friend, as your girlfriend, I just wanted to say like, maybe try not to set materialistic goals because as someone who came from nothing that now has quote unquote, the materials and I'm happier when I was poorer. Yeah. I just don't want you to set yourself up for failure by setting a materialistic goal in like this fancy car or a fancy house because sure, it's going to bring you a little bit of happiness, but like your heart what makes you tick. Find out what that is by feeling your feelings 
and then go for that. And when you reach that goal, it doesn't matter what house you live in. It doesn't matter what car you're driving because your happiness is genuinely coming from within. So that's my thought based on all of this and my own life and all the things. But like Doug said, it doesn't hurt to have the goal to have the Lamborghini or oh, yeah. whatever it is. Well, and, and I think the the point is, you know, you have money as a goal. There's an infinite amount of money that you can make. That's something that you can get sucked into. There's always going to be a bigger and better car, a bigger and better house. And, you know, you can never, ever, when you have that, have money in mind, you can never, ever get enough. Sometimes that's what drives people. Other times it's what drives them insane and, yeah. and crazy and away from people. But certainly a lot to chew on from yeah. Lisa. And she was a fantastic guest. I really uh, enjoyed her conversation. Yeah, I did. And you know what? We didn't at the top of the interview. We love, as you guys know, to just give you a shout out for like taking the time out to leave a five-star review and let other people know. I mean, that's how people know to find our podcast. And that's how we know that you're actually enjoying them. So we love giving you a shout out, as you know. And this week, we have our five-star shout out from Arlie K. That's right. So such a great listen. Jamie and Doug are truly the coolest. Uh, she Aww. highlighted Doug and underlined it. Eh. Um, no, she didn't. Actually, she starred yeah. Jamie yeah. all over that. No. <laughs> you can trust them to keep it real. Their transparent conversations about balancing marriage, parenthood, and well, life are seriously appreciated. Every episode is a treat. Thank you, Arlie Kay. I do want to remind people that something really cool that we are doing is taking voice memo questions to play on the actual episode and have a conversation about. Yeah. Like we genuinely want to get to know you more. We want to chat with you. We want to answer questions that you have or have a conversation about a topic that you're interested in. So it's super easy. All you got to do is go to our Hot Marriage Cool Parents Instagram page, the podcast Instagram page and send a DM via voice memo and then we play it here. And so thank you so much for all the love and support always. Truly, as you know, it means the world to us and we're always here to love you and support you too. And we want to make sure that this podcast is a wealth of information for you where you do feel loved and support and validated in your feelings. So we will be, of course, sharing more things like that and also having guests on. And if you have a request for a guest, of course, you know, let us know. And we are more than happy to reach out to certain guests and That's right. yeah, fulfill you and support you just as much as you fulfill us and support us. Right. We want to fill your cup. We're going to fill Somewhat. your cup. We want to be part of your cup filling. Yeah, we're going to fill our cups so it overflows into your cup so that your cup can get overflowing and exactly. then you can f- overflow like your kids' cup and you know the cups just all get overflowing. Right. It's Anyways. A, it's a give-give relationship. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, bye.